We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. All right, welcome into episode 62 and a half, I guess we'll call it, of the Moose and Runes podcast. Joe is out today. Uh, we wanted to talk some hockey, and my knowledge can only get us so far, so I wanted to bring in, uh, bring in a, a call the bullpen here, a recurring guest now, uh, one of our hockey fans' favorite. He is the TSN insider. He's the former captain of the Flyers, former assistant uh, general manager of the Maple Leafs, former head coach of Notre Dame. Is there any more titles I'm missing there? Uh, it's, it's Dave Poole, and he was on with us last year. Dave, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm a repeat performer on You are. Show. You're, you're one of, I think, two now. We only have two of them, and you are one of them. Yeah, very honored. Yeah. Uh, we, we're happy to have you here. Shed some, uh, some NHL knowledge. Like I said, I can only get us so far. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's start with the big topic everyone's talking about, John Tavares. Uh, I know everybody here at least had, had slim hopes at the beginning. He considered the Blackhawks. That doesn't look like it's, it's the case now. Gut feeling, where do you think he ends up, and, and kind of what's that contract looking like? Well, it's pretty remarkable because it's been such a great story. And, you know, it followed Stamkos of a couple of years back. And, but to have an opportunity to go to market at that age, that quality of player, I said from the start that I thought San Jose was the, was the factor. And I don't know what brought me to that, but it was West Coast. It was sort of the replacement of Thornton and Marlowe. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a hockey player. He wants to play hockey. And in that market, you get to do that without a lot of the fanfare outside the game. And you can simply be a hockey player. And you look at the way that Joe Thornton, for one, has aged so well. Out there, he's seemingly timeless out there. But I think the introduction of Lou Lamorello to the New York Islanders, what Lou Lamorello has been able to do really over the last three weeks is remarkable. And in, you know, having essentially Barry Trotz fall into his lap as a head coach of a Stanley Cup champion and the changes that have been made. And even the draft, the Islanders fared very, very well in the draft and their mm-hmm. picks in what fell to them. And so I think those are the two front runners. Um, for the first time yesterday, I had someone that I respect a great deal in the game tell me that don't count Toronto out. That seems which, to be the name here, that, or at least the one I've seen that everybody keeps coming back to is Toronto. Yeah, yeah, really interesting to think that. Um, you know, I, I don't, it's going to be a, a lot of work to do on the cap long term. It's going to be a lot of changes to the direction they were going. And if that would be the case, it would certainly be a one-two punch with Austin Matthews and John Tavares that would equal the big one-two punches around the league at center that have won cups recently. But that's an interesting light. I, you know, I don't, uh, from watching this from the seat I sit in with all the information we have, no one is any further along in their thought process, (laughs) I don't think, in terms of what's going to happen after watching what went on in, in L.A. at the CAA offices. Uh, so I, you mentioned Barry Trotz in there, and that was something we kind of touched on uh, on this podcast a little bit, but neither of us really had all the, the insider details, kind of whatever happened. So, so you, it's not every day you see a championship coach you know, leave. Sometimes they'll retire, but they rarely next season are on someone else's bench, on someone else's sideline. So what, what exactly transpired there? Was that something that had been brewing for a little while? Was that just kind of a split decision at the end? Why, why is Barry Trotz, after winning the Cup, no longer on Washington's bench? 
Well, Trotz would have signed with Washington before the big real break in coaches' contracts. And that big, big break was Mike Babcock going to Toronto on that huge money multi-year deal. Mm -hmm. A couple of guys have benefited from then, Joel Quenville being one of them, Claude Julian being another one, where they've got north of $5 million a year as coaches. And, you know, Trotz was on a much more modest contract in Washington at $1.5 million. And he went there and, you know, in his fourth year, the final year of the contract, Going into the year, Washington was a little bit under the radar. It almost seemed like in many cases their window had closed. And, you know, as they proceed and have a, a terrific year and, and then go on to win the Cup, it might have just caused him to pause and say, well, you know, maybe this is time for a change for me. He's been there four years as a shelf life for coaches. He had such a great long run in Nashville without winning a Cup. And, you know, it seemed there was a kicker. I believe it was a $300,000 kicker that would take him to $1.8 million if he were to win the cup that was his option. Mm-hmm. He chose not to exercise it. Washington let him walk. So maybe Washington felt there was a need for changes even after winning a cup, as crazy as that sounds. You know, they've been grooming Todd Reardon to be the head coach, which should be done shortly. And, you know, sometimes both sides just feel like, hey, we've done this, we've worked together. Probably the most extreme one was Mike Keenan after winning the cup in 94 in the Rangers with Neil Smith. Basically, yeah, they just decided after one year and winning a cup that they couldn't work together anymore. And so they devised a way out of that contract. And he, of course, went to St. Louis on a significant, you know, increase in pay. Um, So that was, I think that was the last time it happened where a cup winning coach was not coaching that same team the next year. Yeah, that's, you know, 20-plus years, so that's been a while. But you, you brought up Coach Q, so I do want to – I'm going to shift things to, you know, over here. We, we are a Chicago-based co- uh, podcast. Absolutely. Our, our Blackhawks did uh, – we, we didn't have the best year last year. That's that's all right. Uh, the reason – the main reason we didn't have that great year, Corey Crawford was uh, – a. Well, no one really knows what happened over there. I, I know we kind of have here at least. There's there's a little bit of panic because no one seems to want to talk to us about when what he's doing, how he's progressing. Is there a, a national sense of what's going on with him? How do people outside of Chicago kind of view that situation in the Blackhawks? We just kind of want to get as many details here as we can because we're we're not getting anything on Corey Crawford. Now we're seeing Cam Ward's coming here. Likely that that's the rumor and. Obviously, he's not going to be here to start, but he's a guy who can shoulder a bigger load than the guys they had last year. Well, you you laugh at this courting period of free agency because I love it. Supposed to be no, no contracts discussed, no money discussed, Matt. No terms discussed. Yeah, but Just when that when that deadline period. hits on July first, they're all magically have three year deals and four year deals signed, sealed, delivered right away. Well, think about it. Before the courting period, that still happened at twelve oh one on July first when all the deals were seemingly yeah. done. These complicated deals were done. So this just puts some legitimacy to the fact you're making a major decision in your life. And, you know, I went through free agency in a very different time. And I remember one of the factors, if you can picture this, um, with Washington, I, I, I chose five teams. And I'll, I'll, I'll get back certainly to uh, to the topic we're discussing. But just to, to digress for a <laughs> Go second. For, sto- stories are better than our stuff. Go well, for it. Well, here's one of the issues I was dealing with. I, I agreed to contract terms with Washington in early August and school was starting very rapidly, and my oldest Early two identical. Jeez. Well, yeah, I was. I think it was the ninth or tenth of August. I signed, and school was starting like middle or you know late August. It was mm-hmm. crazy, and and some states do start very early, 
And so my oldest two are identical twins. So the first school we found said they could take one of them. so think how that's going over with mom when you've just signed a free agent contract and you know the probably not well to go to yeah it's not going that well you know we really like your kids we can take one of the twins i'm like well great maybe we'll just send them every second day and and then you won't really know the difference will you that'll work Um, yeah so all different factors go into these timing the timing and the decisions but you know back to the chicago situation specifically in net I think the importance of a backup goalie is really, really critical. And if you look at teams like a Boston Bruins team that surged through as the year went on, it was Anton Dobin that kept them in the game early. Um, mm-hmm. St. Louis, Carter Hutton. I mean, those guys had big numbers. And even if you look back at some of the years with Henrik Lundqvist, their backup goalies, Cam Talbot or Chad Johnson, whoever it was, were very significant at a critical time of the year. And hey, Scott Darling in Chicago. Yeah, Scott you know, Ray Emery in 2013. Last, yeah, all, the, oh, all yeah. those guys. They, every year they won a cup, they had you know a legitimate backup. Exactly. And so I think it it put the importance on that for Chicago. And you know, and certainly you've got one of the elite starters in Corey Crawford when he's healthy. But you know, Cam Talbot. I, I, I'm sorry, Cam Ward. I think is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I like veteran guys who've only been in one place. Because of their excitement, he's 34 years old, but the excitement of him coming to Chicago, coming to a championship pedigree team, and don't yet count the Blackhawks out longer term here. Oh, They've I still have. got a terrific core. And, you know, I thought they were going to be one of the reasons. I highlighted a handful of teams that were going to be one of the reasons why there would be a lot of movement around both the draft and particularly free agency. And I think you're going to see some significant trades. There are teams that want to shake up their roster. And, you know, there, there's a couple of key teams that want to do that. And I think Chicago is one of them. And if you look at the teams that specifically won the Cups over the last eight years, Pittsburgh, I think you've already seen mm-hmm. Jim Rutherford's already started there in Pittsburgh by trading Connor Sheary and uh, Matt Hunwick to free up some cap space. So what's he got going on? Chicago, you know, Stan Bowman did such a great job of battling through the, all the cap woes in those cup years and, and managing to win three Stanley Cups, which is remarkable. He's going to be a factor. San Jose has a lot of money available. If they don't get John Tavares, they're going to be a factor. And then you have this outlying thing called the Vegas factor. <laughs> what is the factor going to do and you know how are teams looking at their own group and thinking of all the success vegas had that what a magnificent magnificent year they had with a lineup that was constructed within a year for today's game so can you alter your team significantly enough to adjust for today's game which is speed skill and pace and can you do that and so there's some factors that that are in play, and I think Chicago is a very, very significant one, Matt. Now, we were kind of thinking that too, and hoping so. And I obviously still out off season left. There's free agency coming up here, um, but at the time, you, you thought at the draft that might be when they kind of start making their moves. And seemingly, picks you know one and or, sorry, picks eight and twenty seven were two of their bigger assets. I was of the belief that they would you know move at least one of those in. in you know, in an attempt at a roster shakeup, like you were talking about, but they didn't kind of really do that. So, do you see them? Do they still have assets to move that aren't currently, you know, part of their big core right now? 
to get guys well, like in there to, to shake up that roster and, and give them a little bit of a boost? What constitutes a big core? I mean, we didn't think Brandon Saad would be moved the first time he was moved, you know, to Columbus. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would take a significant move, you know, arguably with a team, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a team like Anaheim, you know, with, with, where you get veterans traded for veterans mm-hmm. and you're really trying to shake up your team. And I worked for Bob Murray and when he wants to shake up his team, he wants to shake it up significantly. And that could be what's happening, you know, right now with him. But I think there were a couple of moves in the draft that may have altered things. And one of them was Kotkaniemi going, going third overall to Montreal. And, and maybe that made an Adam Boquist available when, you know, when you didn't really think he was mm-hmm. going to be available. And with him available at eight, Chicago had a chance to get really what I think is going to be an elite puck-moving defenseman. And, you know, that the trickle down even from a, a move at three that caused Boquist to be available, he may be a guy that the Blackhawks had even higher than that. Mm-hmm. And so when he was available at eight, it precluded any other move. You know, it was a chance to get a guy that they think can really be a factor in their current lineup. Uh, so I, I'm glad you brought up Adam Boquist. I, that was the next guy I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I think it was a pick here that not a lot of people saw coming. Maybe it was because um, a little bit. Uh, like you said earlier, picks made on the draft made him available. The name we kept hearing all week, I think, here was Oliver Wallstrom. And, and once he got uh, skipped over, a lot of people were a little bit surprised. But Stan Bowman, again, went with a pick where, you know, he, he has this super high ceiling. But, again, it might not, you know, see him up here till 2020, 2021, something like that. But you also have this regime that, you know, has basically been told they're on the hot seat. So I guess you've been someone who's kind of been in that chair. What goes into the the difference, the, the decision-making of a, of a, you know, group that's saying, hey, we need to win now, but at the same time, this could be this generational talent, you know, but not for three, four, five years down the road? Well, you know, you have to make both short, your macro and micro. Mm-hmm. You just are. And if that asset's available and you think that's the best possible asset, you know, that's the way you've got to go. And Mark Kelly's done a great job in Europe, you know, really identifying from the Artemi Panarins on down, um, you know, what fits in with his hockey team. And he he is that smallish elite defenseman. Look at the guys, you know. Well, the name like, we keep hearing is Eric Carlson. Or at least that's the one I heard in the well, draft. He turns out to be sure. that. But look yeah. at this, you know, that size defenseman was Boquist, Quentin Hughes, the guys that went in that, you know, in that elite group, the smallish sort of defensemen that went in that group, there's a bunch of them that, you know, they can play, they can be huge factors. And boy, what a name that is in Eric Carlson. But Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, Mark Kelly spent a lot of time in Europe and, you know, if he thinks that that's even a remote comparison, how can you pass that up at eight, even if he might not get here for a year or two? Yeah, Uh, I'm glad you brought up Eric Carlson because that makes the transitioning a lot easier for me. What the hell You're is gonna make a run at him? Uh, what the, I, I don't know what the hell is going on over there. It's you have one day he's out, one day Ottawa's making a push to keep him back. They're not going to trade him. The next day, you know, he, his his wife has problems with you know a teammate's girlfriend. She's gone. What what is going on in Ottawa? It seems like every day there's a brand new story coming out about well, how something odd is going on over there. I know you're really close to that team. You cover them a lot throughout the year. Yeah, I will tell you uh, there is a brand new story coming out oh, wow. approximately one minute ago 
that the owner, Eugene Melnick, has an offer on the table okay. to sell the team. And yeah. now the league is already refuting that he is shopping the team, but this is all just literally coming across. You know, Breaking news on the Moose and Roots podcast that isn't even live. You better believe it. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, no, you know, I've seen a lot in the locker rooms over the years, and you'd be surprised, Matt, at, you know, it's so public now with social media, but you'd be surprised at, if I were to tell you that very good players had been traded because of situations mm-hmm. in the locker room, um, in the wives' room. I mean, those things have happened. And, you know, over the years, that's, that's always been a part of it. They haven't been as public as this one has. And this one seems to be really remarkable, you know, being that it's in the court of law. I mean, that's highly, highly unusual. But it was clear that something had happened and they had to change that locker room. Still there, Carlson. Oh, yes, sorry. cut out for a second there. Okay, no now they have uh, Eric Carlson looming as a free agent a year from now, mm-hmm. and you know one of the much rumored. And is that something you could see happening in the next couple of days? Because they said they were going to tender an offer when they could, which would be Sunday. Mm-hmm. If they immediately dismiss that offer, if that offer is immediately dismissed, and now you know what's going on with the ownership. I mean, who knows all the different factors that have played out in Ottawa? It's not good at all. Now, you, you talked about ownership having the offer on the table. Is that a team that you might see, it, it, you know, there might have been whispers that might be moved out of Ottawa? Is there? Is this there... is the first we've heard at all. Okay. Absolutely um, the first we've heard at all. So now they, they do want to try to move on then to, you know, a little bit of talking expansion. Uh, I know that's been something that's been brought up. I think what Seattle has has an offer in or is talked about trying to, to get an offer into to Gary Bettman. Do you see any new cities here coming up, especially with how well Vegas fared in their first year? The NHL yeah, might see this is a good idea. Do you see Seattle, maybe Quebec, any other places getting cities or, or teams being moved out to new cities? It appears Seattle is is imminent. It really does. That okay. group out there appears to be ahead of it. And, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised by that announcement in the short, you know, in the near future. And it would balance it out at 32. It, it makes sense in every account. The success of Vegas was so extreme and so extraordinary. And, you know, it let, I think it was a little bit misleading, too, if you're another franchise. The, the, the chance that you would come in and replicate what Vegas did in their first year is almost not unheard good. of. It's just not. I mean, yeah. and so many different factors went into that. It was the first expansion in a long time. The rules were different. And that ownership and management group did a magnificent job of manipulating the rules and causing this sort of fear tremor that, you know, you were going to lose one guy, but somehow teams made that the worst possible scenario. Mm -hmm. And they ended up with multiple players from multiple teams. It was remarkable. They they had like half of Florida's roster. They did, including their coach. (laughs) Which, that was odd. (laughs) Yes, very. And... You know, and I know someone who right at the top of that organization very well, Murray Craven, who a former Blackhawk, who I oh. played with in Philadelphia for a long time. And he has been the hockey guy for Bill Foley, owner Bill Foley, since day one. And very quietly under the radar, I think his title is senior VP of the organization. And, and what they did magnificently there was hire really good people and let those people make decisions all the way down to the scouts and the decisions that were made on players and just a masterful job of, 
they wrote a script for expansion in sport that never existed. And so with Seattle looking at that, you know, if I'm Seattle, first of all, I'm hiring someone from that organization right away. <laughs> if I do get a franchise. I think so. You're they know how to, to do it. As, you're trying to replicate as much of that as went on as possible, without a question. All right, so I'm going to have one more free agency question here for you. Then okay. I'll hit you with a couple Blackhawks questions, and we'll, we'll get you on your way. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk just signed, what was it, three years getting five and a half mil at age 35 to go to L.A. Is, does he still have that much in the tank, or is that really the price to maybe get one really good year out of him? I don't see it, Matt. I really don't see it. Uh, if you do get one year of it, it's an exorbitant price. Especially but, a team that has a lot of those tough contracts on them. Exactly. And and that and maybe that's the idea, just load it up and go for it. But, yeah. you know, that's one of the three teams I spoke about as being movers and shakers through this period. You know, the multiple cup teams over the last eight years in Chicago and Pittsburgh and in mm-hmm. L.A. that still have, you still have multiple cup winners on that team. And when you've got multiple cup winners on that team, you know, they're still productive like Drew Doughty and Jonathan Quick you want to you know the Angie Kopitars of the world you want to build around them even if it's an extreme cost to try and make one more run that one I don't get I don't you know I think the game has changed dramatically since he left five years ago mm-hmm. the pace has increased dramatically you know I, I saw him in his latter years in the NHL as more of a half court guy anyway you know yeah. set up on the power play with a big shot well how has that worked five years later when the game has increased in pace by that much more and I've talked to people that watched him play in the KHL and question whether he'll be able to play at the pace the game is played at now. Can he set up and take a one-timer on the power play? Absolutely. Is that effective enough to be a factor in the NHL? I'm not sure it is. Well, I, I'm glad you kind of had that same sentiment. I'm not crazy over here because me and you know my, my brother and some of the people I've talked to saw that. and like, what, what the hell is going on over there? But uh, wrap us up with a couple Blackhawks questions. We're going to wrap two free agency questions here, to, here into one. James Van Riemsdyk's a name we've heard a lot. That's a name you know well, a, a name that Stan Bowman apparently seems to at least have targeted, been interested in, whatever. Is that a guy you see, you could see signing here? Would he be a good fit? And then also our blue line is obviously just in shambles at the moment. Where, what are some depth names out there you think we could take a look at maybe to, to fill in on a second pair that, that could come in here and maybe help right away and kind of shore that up for us? Well, you know, JVR is an interesting one. I know him very well, obviously. I, mm-hmm. you know, I had him here in Toronto. We made the trade for him. Um, 36 goals. He's only 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And he played a little over 14 minutes a night, which is crazy. Yeah. Really crazy. Now, could you plug him on the left side of Jonathan Taves and have him produce at a high rate? That's why you brought Brandon Saad back. Mm-hmm. Could he play opposite Patrick Kane in a very effective? He scores goals from in tight. He's very good in front of the net. Um, you know, his, his crease play is terrific. That's where the majority of his goals are three feet long. Seems like a perfect fit with Patrick Kane. It really does with Kane more than Taves. It really yeah. does. And, and he is an absolute zero maintenance professional hockey player. He looks after himself extremely well in, you know, from everything. He was ahead of the game in terms of the diet, conditioning, you know, the Cairo, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to be a really good pickup for somebody. And, you know, and and once again, he's only 29 years old and he he looks after himself very well. So that to me would be an interesting one. I would love to tell you um, that there's a defenseman, you know, that you may be interested out there. Mm -hmm. 
uh, named Kempney, but that probably would uh, you know what? Cord. No, I don't. Worry. That doesn't ring a bell with me. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one was tough. Uh, he, he never got quite as much run here as he probably deserved, or as much of a leash. But he he looked pretty damn good in Washington throughout. Those yeah, playoffs, he, didn't he? he certainly did, and he's a fairly young guy too. That's the remarkable part of it, you know. Well, you win um, some, lose some, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, there's not. You know, I don't see the Blackhawks being interested in the Jay Beagle type of player. Okay. You know, I really don't. Um, Johnny Moore is another guy who I put in there with Kempney as a you know a 27 year old who's a reasonable price D who moves the, the other name I've well. seen. Yeah, he's a Chicago kid too, right? I believe that's uh, right. I believe he's in North uh, North Shore, North Suburbs. Yeah, he is a Chicago kid, and so you know, there's a name that's a skating D that's only 27 years old and. And it may have got passed by in Jersey by a Will, a Will Butcher. So, but, you know, at the top end of that list, like, I can't see the Hawks interested in a Mike Green. It just doesn't fit. No, that doesn't you know? fit right. No. Yeah. And Rockford had a good late run. Is there anybody there that jumps to mind? And Not particularly you know, off the top really. of my head, at least. No, no they, they all seem to be guys who have gotten shots up here and are down there because they, they, they couldn't hack it quite up here. Exactly. Exactly. Jack Johnson rumored to be going to Pittsburgh in a, time period when you're not supposed to be talking about that anyway um you know i really don't you know brooks orpic it's not going to be a fit in chicago no so i don't know do you you try and go with young kids that have been drafted and 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 for the most part those are names you don't really know very much about at this point you know um you you hope somebody emerges and can plug in and play with the big guys you know i I came to you with that question hoping that you kind of ease my my worries my pains a little bit but apparently i'm I'm still feeling uh every bit is 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 uh is anxious about it so i get what is the what is the blackhawks path here back to uh you know back to being you know, towards the top of the NHL, I'm not going to say a Stanley Cup team because that can, you know, it just takes one team getting hot and hot goalie come playoff time. But what's their route to getting back up there? What what do they got to do to make themselves? You know, I know they play in a tough division with a lot of real young talent, but what's their route to getting back to the top of that central division? Well, I really think it has to be something significant. You know, you may have to move a significant piece that would surprise a lot of people. Define significant gonna, piece that yeah, would surprise, I'm not surprise a lot of people. to know what that is, you know? I mean, you know... I don't know. Do you, do you do you move one of the core pieces that were essentially immovable in the past? And for me, it's it's the only person that you're not listing to any offers on is, is number eighty eight. I think everybody else. I'm not saying you trade it. You're for sure moving anybody else. But if their name's not Patrick Kane, I'll listen to what you have to say. Yeah, I would agree. And that well, that's that would be substantial change. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I mean, that would be, and you'd have to find a partner. And is there a partner out there? I think there's more partners out there. You know, does Max Pacioretty fit in your plans? Is something to be done with Montreal? Do you look at that situation? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe a couple of their young guys involved in some capacity. Um, Anaheim, I mentioned, is a team that, you know, you would think would be willing to do something if if San Jose doesn't get Tavares. And there's a trickle down here from Tavares, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, in terms of what happens there, and then Paul Stasny will follow suit. You know, James and Reemsek will be in that mix. But... When money is freed up, and what if Eric Carlson moves? And what if he moves to a Western powerhouse team? What if he were to go? Eric Carlson goes to Vegas. How does that change the landscape around you? Mm -hmm. Or what if he goes to, you know, what if a significant player goes to a Nashville or a Winnipeg in the Central? What if St. Louis does something? How does does that change Chicago's outlook on the short term? Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see some movement in the next few days, and I think it could be significant for how everyone reacts to it. 
All right, so I want to I want to wrap up here. I'm just going to give you some rapid fires, some names that are either rumored, you know, free agent or or rumored to be, you know, move trades. I'm going to ask you, give you a name, tell me where they're playing in 2019. Okay, that sound good. Let, let's start with John Tavares. San Jose Sharks. Okay, let's go, Eric Carlson. I will move Eric Carlson to the Vegas Knights. That, that would be fun to watch, wouldn't it? Uh, with how fast they play and how fast he is, that'd be that'd be something. Let's go with uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, let's put him right in your hometown of Chicago. I appreciate you doing that. You didn't have to do that. You made me feel a little <laughs> bit there. Uh, let's go. I'm going to put Paul Stasny back in Winnipeg. That was going to be my next, uh, my, my next question for you. Maybe a surprise you, move of, of a classic... You know, I've got my sneakers and my blue jeans because I've made a lot of money so far and I can only wear one pair of blue jeans at a time and I really want to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> and I get to play with Patrick and Line A. And uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how much I, how, uh, I have a hockey player crush on Patrick Line A. He is, I think, my well, favorite player in the NHL to watch. Okay, but here, here's an Edmonton-like scenario for Paul Stasny. And, and I'll paint the picture back to you. Paul Stasny would get to go back to Winnipeg where he was comfortable, play with Patrick Laine and Nick Ehlers, and not have to play against a checking line every night because they're checking Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor. That's not half bad. Okay, so that's the Edmonton scenario. Picture Hall of Famers Mark Mess and Anderson seven years in the league because people were too worried about Yari Curry and, and Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely it's, crazy. The, their depth reminds me of what the Blackhawks used to have. Um, yes. Let's and go. they'll have their set of cap issues because of it. Yeah, exactly. Let's go with uh, another name close to close to home here, Artemi Panarin. That's an interesting situation. Yeah, that really is um, very interesting. And I think that that's more of an unknown for me. It's really hard to even mm-hmm. fathom where that may end up because I think that could be some of the trickle down I'm talking about. If, if a Carlson is to move, Tavares is to end up in your division unexpectedly, and you react and say, okay, now we have to go get more scoring, and we're going to give up future assets, and we're going we're gonna to go after our Tammy Panarin. All right, I'm going to give you two more names here. One is uh, Jeff Skinner out of Carolina. Actually, let's go um, Jeff Skinner, Justin Falk, the Carolina duo there. Yeah, the, the Carolina together. group, will they be paired together? Because I believe um, you told me once that, that once on this podcast last year that right-shot defensemen are, are – considered gold by NHL GM. Yeah, so is big what, premium. So, where do they so either of those I'm guys gonna, end up? I'm going to back up for a second on you and say sure. uh, if Tavares doesn't end up in San Jose, then Jeff Skinner will. Okay. And and that being that, you know, he came out of the Kitchener Rangers organization, Steve Spots, the assistant coach there, knows him very well, developed him as a player and, and would still, you know, have a significant, you know, like for him. Okay. And they've got lots of money and they missed out on Tavares. How about Justin Falk? He's Justin got a no movement that kicks in, I think, July 1st. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, who's in on Carlson and didn't get him? Who was in on John Carlson and didn't get him? That's a good question. We don't know that, but there's your right shot when, defenseman that fills one. When in default, support. just say he's going to the Blackhawks and we'll just call him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last Perfect. one. He's going to the Blackhawks. Thank you. So the Blackhawks are having pretty good offseason. We got JVR and we got uh, Justin Falk. I'll take that. And you didn't uh, give anything up. No, we you know we we threw around a future first rounder for Justin Falk. No big deal. 
Um, last one, another name you know pretty well here, a name kind of being rumored to be thrown out here, Phil Kessel. I think Phil Kessel stays put in Pittsburgh. Okay. Because that, that was a name I'd seen kind yeah. of you've been talking about, Pittsburgh looking to move some things around. That's a name that at least been floated out there. Yeah, I, I, I think he remains in Pittsburgh. I think they figure that out. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been we talked earlier about a, a potential Stasny line A Ehlers situation. He's mm-hmm. been in a pretty good situation there for lying under the radar and just going ahead and, you know, being a top 10 scorer in the NHL. Yeah, not a bad spot for him uh, under the radar of Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin, but getting to play with both at times. That's, uh, that's not half bad. Exactly. Uh, one last quick question. Uh, or no, I, I got one more name for you. Where's Rennie Bork playing next year? Um, Somewhere over in Europe with, that's kind of irrelevant? Can we say that he's going to the Blackhawks? No, because he's not. If they don't get James Van Reems done. Yeah, you, think, you think that's their answer? If that's <laughs> I their knew answer, you were going to bring him up at some point. If that's their answer, I might need to be like, I, I might need a new fan, a new team to root for. I might be a Winnipeg fan if that's <laughs> a the Renee case. Bork revisit. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question, is Corey Crawford, uh, is he starting day one, opening, opening night, whatever, for the Blackhawks next year? Yeah, other than a medical situation yes he is okay and, uh, i certainly you know, I hope so i think he'd have a good back bounce back here for them <laughs> all huge, right huge factor I, I i he is the he's clearly the x factor because without him uh, they, they just really it's amazing how people become year. more important when you don't have them yeah you, you know you don't it's uh, you don't really know what you got till it's gone really hit, hit us in the fields last year in chicago with Corey crawford i think a lot of those uh Haters who, who didn't like him in twenty th- the cup years. Yeah, in twenty thirteen, yeah. in twenty thirteen during the Stanley Cup Finals, some people wanted Ray Emery to, to take over for Corey Crawford, yes. um, but thankfully we didn't go that route. And hopefully we get a healthy Corey. And I know you got a radio show to get to, so I, I will wrap it up here with you, Dave. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Really appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully your your Blackhawks predictions there come true. Always a pleasure, Matt. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Slipped in front and Crawford another block. Five to go. For the third time in six years, the Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions. Chicken on the stick was phenomenal. 